Welcome to Wedding and Event Podcast. Podcast discussions for event professionals and those planning successful events. With wedding and event consultant, Toby Dodge, author of The Other Side of the Aisle, and Eric Zimmerman, DJ, Master of Ceremonies, Pianist and Bandleader of ElegantMusic.com. Hello, everyone. The title of this episode is Event Designer, Part 1. Wedding and Event Podcast, Episode 46. The original conversation on this topic lasted over an hour, and in many ways is a continuation of the Wedding Definition Series, Episodes 43, 44, and 45. In this episode, Toby offers a great definition for an event designer and illustrates this creative activity with stories. Design is a yummy subject. I sliced and diced this episode into bite-sized pieces as Event Designer Parts 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Make sure you visit the Wedding and Event Podcast website to see pictures accompanying this series about design. And now please enjoy Event Designer Part 1, Wedding and Event Podcast Episode 46. Would you like to hear my definition of an event designer, since we do talk about other events other than weddings. Yes. Well. Okay. That's great. Okay. So, so in this definition, would it apply to both? Yes. Okay, good. An event designer brings the client's vision to life using all the senses to create a cohesive representation of a theme or environment. Wow. <laughs> that took a lot of thought, let me tell you. <laughs> That's beautifully said. Oh, great. I'm glad you like it. Okay. The reason I did it that way is because there are so many elements that come into designing or that are affected by yes. a design idea or theme. Yesterday I attended a open house at Braemar Country Club uh -huh. uh, in Tarzana and it gave me an opportunity to uh, first say hi to Carol Phillips who uh, is the director there and she's great. I've known her for years. And I hadn't seen her in years, so it was really nice uh, to catch up. But I always like to see what new and emerging services and say also hello to old friends, which were everything was there, which was wonderful. And part of it is how each company decides to design their booth or their table, you know, it doesn't matter if we're talking about an entire special event or one part of a special event, uh -huh. as it was yesterday. So a lot of couples, when they are designing for their wedding or families for a bar, or bat mitzvah, quinceanera, whatever, pick a color. They often start with a color, sure, and sure. then it goes to a theme, especially if the theme directs 
colors because right now we're starting fall today i'm wearing green olive green in honor of fall uh-huh. uh, my favorite season by the way of the year so it's the kind of thing where you have to take into consider so many different elements in design because design you know, follows, let's say, a theme. But let's say someone doesn't have a big theme in mind. In other words, they're having a spring wedding. They want to just take part in that season, but they don't have necessarily a, a strong theme of being an enchanted garden or something like that. They mm-hmm. just want to have a pretty wedding. Sure. But even that having someone who is a event designer can be a big plus and it doesn't necessarily mean that that event designer takes over the planning or the uh, control of the event I really think that's important to say here because many families might feel that if you hire an event designer that somehow they're going to be driving the bus and they won't have that much input. And it's quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. The best event designers are the biggest listeners. They will ask a lot of questions because just like a planner, they really want to find out what's on everybody's minds, Mm -hmm. both visually and emotionally. Because believe it or not, an event designed, it takes in, as I mentioned in the definition, all the senses. That's right. So years ago, I think people might have divided all these different sections up, meaning you have photographer, video, everything. But nowadays, it's really, you want to make it as cohesive as possible. So if you're trying to have, let's say, a vintage feel or look Uh or theme, whatever descriptive words you want to use, well, actually, the photo booth should reflect that. In other words, there are companies that have old-time photo uh, camera boxes Mm -hmm. in wood on tripods so that if you're having a 1920s look, that photo booth is with a backdrop, you know, of let's say antique lace or some vintage uh, satin fabric or something like that, it's going to fit right in. Hmm. It's not going to look like it was stuck there right? for purposes of getting something done. So, that's really what I'm talking about, that when you design an event, you take into consideration all of the elements that you're using. I remember one planner um, chose to interpret a interior garden. In other words, the location had no outdoor space, but the bride so much wanted to be married in the garden. But for various reasons, it wasn't possible. So 
at this banquet center, they had a few different rooms. And as it was described to me, one of the rooms was uh, saved for the ceremony. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a real large wedding, maybe 130, 40 uh, people. That's still a party, though. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a huge to do. Uh So what they decided to do was to make it like a garden and the entrance to the banquet room, the doors, were open, but they put a gate in front of that. That was a metal gate and it was covered in little uh, jasmine plants. Mm-hmm. So you, the aroma was wonderful. Oh, uh, it was blooming. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was wonderful. All the senses. So people walked into that, you know, which was kind of cool. And it was set in just inside the doors. So you would have to push them open. In other words, that you didn't, it didn't open out. It opened in. Mm-hmm. So they, there was someone standing there. So when someone came in, they opened the gate and then they closed the gate. So they had a big job, obviously, going back and forth with lots of people. But that was the whole idea, that they were entering a different environment. So those two gates were not inexpensive because once they were, you know, decorated uh, with the gates, I mean, it was probably a $300 included installation. The gate. Including the gate. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And, you know, for some people, that would say, well, if you had two urns, one on either side of an entrance, it would be $300 easy. Hmm. But for this family, it, it was significant. So they had, they had this gate because they felt that that would set the tone. So... In sharing this, I'm really saying you don't have to go over the top in expenditures to set the mood and tone. Mm-hmm. So by having the fragrance, by having the gate, which visually tells you you're coming into something, and then um, as a runner, they, they chose to have uh, indoor-outdoor carpeting. Uh-huh. Just as the runners, so they had the green, uh, you know, grass look, and they had a backdrop with like a terrace look, almost like uh, instead of like a four-sided hoopa, they had um, two columns, but they they had. Uh, like a trellis, a lot, you know, wood going in front and back. So it, it had like a front and a back look to it, even though the columns were uh, very lightweight. Uh, they actually weren't styrofoam, but they were hollow. So okay. they were very easy to move and they uh, filled it with sand you couldn't see uh, to to weight them on the bottom, hmm. but it was just much easier, obviously, than carrying in very heavy wooden uh, pillars of sorts. So or, or it was very 
yeah, it was really cleverly done. And so the garden, uh, Jasmine, you know, followed there as well. But, it, you know, um, usually Jasmine is night blooming, if I'm not mistaken. And, but whatever, they had a scent machine. So whether it smelled or not, the room was filled. Not overpoweringly, but it had that scent. It had jasmine. Yes. So. <laughs> what did that cost, by the way? I was just. I was just um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like about a hundred dollars. Mm. I think at that time. Um, I'm not sure if they had one or two, because the room was fairly long. Mm. Um, it wasn't my wedding, so. I, I remember being told about it, but it was just a really good example how you don't have to spend a lot of money to kind of get that feeling. Uh -huh. And here's the other thing they did, which I thought was so clever. And if I remembered the, the florist who did it, I would share that with you, but I don't recall. The, there's little lights now. Um, and they've had them around for a long time. They're, they're optic. They're, I'm sure you've seen them where there's just this tiny light at the end of a filament. Mm -hmm. And it, it's been around for about 10 years. And they had the filaments hanging uh, from the existing lights, the chandeliers or the... I don't think they were really chandeliers in there, but, you know, whatever uh, lighting fixtures that were in the room. Uh -huh. They attached these little filaments with these tiny little lights on the bottom. So it looked like fireflies. Oh. And when they lowered the lights, all you saw were these little fire lights, hmm. you know, up and down on either side of the room. And then the... the little wooden arch that they had was very well lit. Mm -hmm. So everything was lit toward the the bride and groom getting married. So that was the focal point. So, so all of this was just for the ceremony? was all for the ceremony. Uh -huh. However, during cocktails, the gate was moved and put behind the bride and groom's sweetheart table. Uh-huh. The, that's why I made a point to tell you about the wooden structure that was really quite lightweight, was moved and put around the cake. The cake was under that. So during the cocktails, they just moved all that. And because it was a banquet center, there was an air wall between the two rooms. So they just opened up a section, the door between it, and was they were able to move all that stuff between rooms and the guests never saw them moving anything uh, in the lobby area where they went for uh -huh. cocktails. So it was a really clever way to do it. And so they reused those design elements as well as added more, I'm sure, on the tables. But it was an economical way to do it because... The investment of the ceremony area, they used uh, some of the smaller 
uh, flower arrangements that were made for the reception tables down the aisle. So everything was reused. And because it was inside, you didn't have to worry about the, the heat, uh, wilting flowers, you know, or trying to control the aroma mm. because you were inside. So this particular event design solved a lot of problems too. So part of designing is not only the visual and bringing in the senses and mm -hmm. supporting a theme or feeling, but it's also having to have the ability to solve or control or contain the environment. In other words, you have to work with what you're given. Right. And so having someone with that knowledge, even if their fee for the knowledge and how they brought it through to the whole event might have been a thousand or twelve hundred dollars for their creativity. Mm -hmm. I can assure you that for them having access to all those items solved and saved the family a tremendous amount of money and time and effort. Mm -hmm. So what I'm really saying here is don't be short-sighted. Talk genuinely to an event designer not to just get ideas and pick their brain, but to look at them as a partner that can really help you. Because besides that, they carry that theme for you and can suggest things and how you follow through with your invitations mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. your music even. And because there are songs that can evoke certain feelings that you would feel if you were in a secret garden or at a moment, a private moment. I know you as a, a music specialist that could evoke or support that theme through, through music mm -hmm. as well. And that means the photography and the video and of course the flowers, but an event designer is much more than just a visual artist in the true sense. And that's why I chose the words I did mm -hmm. to describe it. And read hopefully it. Yes, read, read that definition once again, please. Sure. An event designer brings the client's vision to life using all the senses to create a cohesive presentation and representation of a theme or feeling. That's great. You know, if you get too specific and mention, I mean, you can back that up by, by mentioning this means materially with flowers or backdrops or influence on, on linens. I mean, it could be everything because visually does 
cover an awful lot <laughs> under the big tent, so to speak. But I wanted to mention senses because it really does. It's what you hear. It's what you feel. It's what you smell, what you taste, everything, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, nowadays, caterers are so creative that they use wheatgrass, you know, as part of their presentations and they make tomatoes and mushrooms and all uh, on skewers that are growing from wheatgrass. So you <laughs> like you're picking something in a garden. I mean, you can take the theme or the atmosphere as far as you want to take it, mm-hmm. as literal as you want to take it. And of course, this season fall brings to mind Halloween and all things fall. So you have a built-in idea if you want to take advantage of it. You have been listening to Wedding and Event Podcast with Toby Dodge and Eric Zimmerman. If you have a question, comment, or topic suggestion, please call Eric at 626-797-1795 or contact Eric by email eric at elegantmusic.com That's E-R-I-C at elegantmusic.com Contact Toby by email toby at tobydodge.com That's T-O-B-E-Y at tobydodge.com Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and receive a new episode each week. Thank you for listening.